Hi there, I'm Brendan, a certified home inspector with Rumi. Do you have a problem that needs fixing? Whether it's big or small, inside or outside, let me help you find out what's really going on. You can call me by phone, or we can take a look together over video chat. Visit rumi.ca, that's R-U-M-I dot C-A, and go to Ask a Home Inspector to book your appointment with me today. So to open up season three of the Second Floor Podcast, I am honored and pleased to bring on Shara Vajant. Mm-hmm. Shara is uh, quite the pioneer in the fitness industry in Edmonton, Alberta, uh, as well as globally. You know, I'm Ooh. very impressed, Shara. The first time we ended up bumping into one another was uh, Las Vegas when we had, you know, both of our respective fighters were fighting in the UFC. And for those who don't know, Shara is Donald Cerrone, one of UFC's goats i'd like to say um her his strength and conditioning coach as well shara has been known to run a very successful gym located here in edmonton and that is svpt and yeah i wanted to open up our third season where everything shara is going to be health and fitness based and i wanted you to to be the first person on well i'm honored to uh lead the way on this one absolutely say i i don't know that thanks for that great intro wow that's pretty humbling. Sometimes you don't know all the things you've accomplished till someone lays it out in front of you. So <laughs> it, it's funny when others kind of know your resume mm-hmm. like more than you do. Yeah, <laughs> because you just keep hustling along, hustling along, doing things, um, you know, working and stuff like that. And then you have to, you sometimes forget to look back and see where you are and where yeah. you started. Yeah. And it, I was actually going to ask you this anyway. So it might be, it, it's right on topic with what we're yeah. talking about. If there are, and I mean, I'm sure I only mentioned so much, like two things that you're most proud of. Like if you could go back on your journey when you decided, you know what, personal training, I want to go that route. Mm-hmm. What would be two of your most proud moments and why? That's, as, a, as an that's a, To narrow it down to two is really hard because I've had a lot of very proud moments um, from working with the general population people and, and having people, you know, text me and say, man, I played with my kids today and I wasn't winded and I was able to outlast them to Donald or cowboy screaming at me after the Iacanta fight could have gone two more rounds. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's moments, there's, there's two, I I can't narrow it down. I'm going to be fair. I can't narrow it down. There's too many fantastic moments in in my career and you know of course my gym is a huge accomplishment and the fact that in a in an industry that has a huge turnover you know gyms gyms don't last trainers don't last we've been going strong for 13 years and we lasted through a pandemic so I'm pretty proud of that um and the fact that I've been a trainer for 17 years and have lasted not and not given up given all the bullshit in the industry oops my love swear absolutely (laughs) um because i i have a potty mouth but the the the, with the bullshit in the industry being able to last i feel that that is an accomplishment you make a really good point and i'm only just over a year in Mm -hmm. and i already hear from uh trainers that i work with where they talk about the the yo-yo effect that they just can't stand and i'm sure that has quadrupled or even multiplied through covid and yeah the fact that you stayed resilient and went through the past year and a half of the bullshit yeah that that just speaks volumes already because yeah. someone in your shoes could have easily just went you know what this could be an easy way out it could have been and a lot of I, i'm sure business owners have looked at it that way yet mm-hmm. also have recognized that if they really love what they do they're going to pivot you know they're going to go online they're going to find other ways to yeah. continue to still exist and be there for their clients i think i think for me um we did we did not pivot I hated that word. I hated that because, but I mean, a lot of people did pivot in fitness, you know, to online and say, and then kept their careers going and helped a lot of people. Um, I personally feel that um, people are sick of training online and are going to make it, it's the gyms are going to make a comeback because of that. People want community and face to face and being around people. So we didn't pivot. We kept to our guns and said, you know what, we're going to 
take care of our clients. Um, if you want some homework while you're at home, we're not gonna we're not gonna do Zoom sessions. Maybe maybe like I think it was maybe like five percent of our clients wanted that. The rest were like, we'll be here when you're when you're um, when you're ready to open. Yeah. But it doesn't mean we abandoned them because mm-hmm. they all come back for a good reason. Obviously, we took care of them, but we just uh, decided to go a different route. And that's fair, right? As, as soon as you recognize what works best for you, you stick with it. Right? You have to stand behind your product. And it, not saying that the product doesn't evolve. My products evolved from, you know, the first time I opened up till now, um, you know, in terms of who, who our um, target market is and who our who our clients are, we've pivoted from there. But um, when you have a good product, it will stand the test of time. So true. Yeah. I uh, I want us to go into our first topic today. We're splitting a lot of what we're talking about in, in two different podcasts. And this one in particular that we're recording right now is on how trainers can feel like they're just an average trainer to recognizing that they're doing everything they can and they're going through the motions every day. Yeah to make the right decisions, to Mm -hmm. be the best trainer. Uh, You and I both know being in this space that trainers wear their hearts on their sleeve, right? We, we want to help out everyone. We're willing to take on that 15th client and work the 15th hour on the day if we need to. And (laughs) that's only until we're ready to start making our own schedules. And, you know, we're at the, we're, we're, we're at bay with whatever the client's schedules are in the beginning. Now, I know that sometimes comes with making certain decisions that we just shouldn't be making. Mm-hmm. And it'd be interesting for you to just take us on a journey right now, Shara, in your opinion, on what trainers just shouldn't do. Because there are things where I believe we're like the hub of the hub and spoke model of health. Yeah. You know, like like people will go to us first and trust us. And we have the ability to to actually do a lot of good with that or we could screw it all up right in the beginning you know trainers are not all knowing of uh, um you know we're trainers remember the scope of your practice um and it is like like i'll say this and it's gonna it's oh the online nutrition coaches are gonna come at me but i don't really care because i've been doing this for 17 years and i know um trainers shouldn't be doing nutrition flat out Sorry, but um, full disclosure too, I used to do nutrition um, because I thought that I had to be everything to my client. So what what being everything to your client means is that you're going to eventually burn out quicker, number one, and you can do a lot of damage to your client because you're trying to be everything rather than a jack of all trades, master than none, right? Mm -hmm. So nutrition, nutrition is just as powerful as exercise, if not more powerful in transforming internal and external health, right? So it's complicated. Registered dietitians go to school for five to six years. So for the same reason you wouldn't go to a registered dietitian for an exercise program, why would you go to a trainer for a diet or nutrition or, or anything like that, right? It, 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 to me, it's like they actually study nutrition science, science and then we are getting mad at people saying we study science you shouldn't be giving exercise programs but i'll do your nutrition for you it's it's just it's a really slippery slope because there's a couple things that can happen number one um you can do damage and that's not just physical health damage but that's emotional and psychological damage when you give your client a diet that you follow and you had success and you know um can create disordered eating if not eating disorders you can put someone's health at risk. And in my eyes, how dare you? Like we are supposed to be helping these people get healthier, not breaking them, not making them feel bad for having a glass of wine or, a, or an ice cream on a weekend because it's outside of the diet. That is not in the scope of our practice. And what, with that being said, you know, I think it's purely okay that we give general and basic nutritional advice in terms of drink more water, eat more fruits and vegetables. Um, you know what I mean? But specific diets, it's just, it's just damage. And, and I don't care if you've done the online course that everybody does that says I'm certified by so-and-so nutrition. I mm-hmm. don't care. Six months is nothing compared to five to six years of education. And of course, registered dietitians get a really bad rap because everyone thinks, oh, they're, they're just going to give me the Canada food guide, which is so far from the truth. Like they, they go in depth to your lifestyle, your blood, your everything to help you eat better for longevity and long-term. You know, there's a difference between, 
uh, a diet that is a short-term quick fix, because that's what everybody wants, rather than a sustained lifestyle that's going to help your health for the rest of your life. And many of the diets that trainers um, prescribe do damage, short-term and long-term. If you find yourself always on a diet, that's a problem. You haven't solved the problem. You've just created more. So going to someone who's an actual expert and learning how to eat properly that is for your body, um, to me, is a, it's a no-brainer. So refer out. It's like that is out of the scope of my knowledge. But I will tell you, and I will, and this is this is what I think all trainers need to do is get a referral network that you can trust in and then believe, uh, you know, to refer your clients to. That's where I think everybody understands that, you know, you're all on the same page and we're a team. And a lot of people want to know they have a team behind them, period. So get yourself a referral network, find a physiotherapist, find a uh, dietitian, uh, find a massage therapist, find people that you can say, hey, Go, go to this person. They're trusted. We work with physiotherapists and chiropractors all the time. In fact, we refer out. And, and then when we find out about injuries, about clients, we work as a team and we work together. That That's super important too, yeah. is, is recognizing if you are going to refer it out to someone, have the one person, yeah. have that one dietitian that you are communicating with along the yeah. way, right? Because we'll refer out, we'll still work with that individual, but then now we're not communicating. Yeah. Why don't we do our client a solid and let's be on the same page. Exactly. Because they're the ones paying for it. Or they're the ones who are having their benefits through the dietitian. Exactly. And, and, and then you're on the same page, right? And then you're working together. And then there's no mixed messages. And, you know, the other thing too is a lot of the people in your referral network um, want the same thing for your client, right? Like, let's face it. Um, unfortunately, trainers, because we're unregulated, we get a bad rap for a lot of things and for good reason. Just like there's bad doctors, there's bad trainers, you know? Um, but, you know, you have to find a referral network that knows that you're legitimate and knows that what you're after for the client. Um, because in this, in this billion-dollar industry of health and wellness, there are a lot of egos. And these egos um, are scared that they will be forgotten or, oh, if I refer to a physiotherapist, they're not going to come back to me. That's not the case because what they're going for physio is completely different than what they're coming to you for. They're coming to you for a training effect and, and a specific training effect. Physios tend to be more um, injury-based or, or helping you with that, right? Like whatever. You need to find someone in your refer, referral network that um, doesn't have an ego and is willing to work together because, listen, together is better and you can help way more clients that way. And actually clients will appreciate you saying, can't help you there. I got, I got to refer out, but I will refer you to someone that will keep me informed so that we're on a team for you. Now, when someone's starting to think as a trainer, how they can start building that referral network, because you're not the first guest to even mention this, even though we've had previous guests, mm -hmm. which I'm glad, yeah. you know, <laughs> there, there are pioneers in, in health and fitness. who are already mentioning this. Yeah. And I find it's one thing to say it. It's another thing for a trainer to start going through the motions of making that happen. Mm -hmm. So how do they make that happen? Is that something where, Shara, they just connect and network and show up first? Mm -hmm. uh, do they need to look through a certain uh, criteria on what they have that's similar to the other individual? Like your recommendation of the best way to start? Uh, be a patient. Be, yeah. You know what I mean? If you got a na nagging something, uh, go see a physiotherapist. Talk to them about their methods and their protocols, how they run their business. Talk to the dietitian about how they run your business. And it's not bad. Like, honestly, we have a referral network, but we have it based on what side of the city people are on. Because, listen, if they if they have to drive to the north end from the south end to go see somebody, how do you think they're actually going to go? Nah. So you find referrals within the areas of people uh, or where they live. And that's how we work. And we, I have been at most physiotherapist place. Um, I've just been, con I've been connected through like, geez, if you find someone on Instagram following kind of the same, uh, uh, following or mentality of you reach out to them and said, Hey, I'm looking for a place to refer clients. Can I come in and have an assessment and see, see what you guys are all about? Most businesses will, will do that. I have people approach us all the time about saying, Hey, I want to be able to refer my uh, patients to you. Can we, can we have a chat? So start with areas of the city and go be a client or a patient. Get to know them. So 
because every client's going to be different. Every client needs a different type of uh, health professional. So there's something very important too about what you said is when you're a patient, you, you've experienced it yourself. Yeah. Right. Who, who would you rather get a movie review from? The person that saw the trailer, or the person that actually went to go see it. Hundred percent. It's the same thing in this case. You know, I think about my massage therapist from Laser Shear. I think about my physiotherapist, who you know, I'm a patient of yep. both of them. That's Raj Dillon from Pivotal. Yeah. I've already created that yep. referral base, and it's natural. Yep. It just goes to show that word of mouth marketing and experience based marketing it, it it's not going anywhere anytime no. soon. And then, but you just the only thing you have to put aside is your own biases. Because uh, I'm biased to a certain type of massage therapist. I know what I love, but I also know some of my clients don't. So Definitely. you have to put your biases aside and think about at the end of the day in this referral network about all the different clients you have and being able to have a whole bunch of people in your referral network to, so that there's one for everybody. And, and this just goes back from a broader spectrum too, I find, Cheryl, where it's identifying your client's needs. Yeah. And that's with anything, right? I... I noticed that you said a lot about, you know, when it's time to refer out, knowing what it is that you do well and what you don't. I, I'm actually interested in hearing where you're at with how a trainer develops customized habits that their client should focus on outside the gym. You already mentioned a couple where it's like, all right, let's improve your sleep. Let's improve your water intake. Yeah. Uh, I try and encourage my trainers at Good Life to really customize that experience. Mm -hmm. And the only way you can customize it is if you really know who your client is. Yep. And uh, I just wanted to know what that looks like with your team at SVPT. You know, when you look at your elite trainers, what does that dialogue look like and conversation look like where um, you want to know how much they're changing the habits mm. of what the client's doing outside the gym, depending on how much it's going to reflect them hitting their goal. We, listen, we got to be real about what we can accomplish as trainers. So <laughs> as much as we want to change the, the world of the client, we just have to be real. I'm not saying to lower your expectations. I'm not saying not to try, but first and foremost, get to know who your client is. You know, um, you know, we're not also not sleep experts, but you can't tell a guy that has uh, four kids under the age of five that he needs to improve his sleep. <laughs> And yeah. you know what I mean? So it's like, this is, this is the biggest lesson for trainers is to pick your battle. And this is the same with exercise when you're training someone too, if you're trying to improve the squat and there's six things going on, you don't try to improve all six things at once. You find the most important thing right there at that moment and pick that battle and choose it. Right? So small, small changes over time lead to big change. So you get to know your client. First and foremost, their lifestyle, who they are. Listen to them. Listen to them. Don't throw them cookie cutter bullshit because that's where you're going to lose them because that's putting a square in a round hole that, and then they'll be gone. So just listen to who they are. So yeah, if you want to customize things that they can do outside the gym, you've got to get to know who they are outside of that. I'm not saying go for beers with them. Like you don't got to do that, but you can just find out what kind of things they're struggling with the most and then pick away at it. For someone that doesn't drink water, it's like, I just want you to start with a glass of water the minute you get out of bed this week. Yeah. And maybe even for two weeks. Let's see how that goes. And then it's boom. They've, they, they've done it. They've, you know, and then we, we have a thing at my gym where it's above and beyond. Um, shooting your client a text and saying, hey, did you drink your water today? You know, it, it's, a, it's next level care. It shows that you care. And you have to genuinely care for these people because they're not going to buy into you if you if they just think that you're a membership number and a session, right? So they're not going to buy into anyone that's not going to buy into them. And it's one of those things where I know we don't have to ask this and I always ask it to see where someone's at and reminds me about what you say about just throwing a text out there from time to time. Doesn't mm -hmm. always need to be the case. Nope. That expectation you don't need to set at an all-time high for a client to think you're always going to be accessible. Yeah. You know, the work-life balance is exactly. super important. But when you have someone where you're not really too sure who's supporting them, as simple as asking, you know, what does your support system look like right yes. now? And what do you want it to look like? Yep. And from there, it helps bridge the gap in identifying how much of an impact you're going to make in the first three to five sessions with this person. For sure. Because I... I, for one, realize that we're not just trainers. We're accountability coaches. Mm -hmm. You know, going back to your point, we're not nutritionists. That's a very specific, yeah. you know, thing to, ex to be an expert in. But yeah. when you really look at it in this case, 
there's nothing wrong with holding someone accountable. No. And there was this one video I saw. It was brilliant. I forgot who it was. It was on Instagram. And someone tagged me in it. And they're like, they're like, this is, you know, keep note of this. And they were thinking of me while I was, um, you know, going into my consultations and, yeah. you know, gaining new clients for the team. And the guy said this. He said, you know what? Someone was sitting across the desk from him. He's role playing what it's like getting the client. He said, listen. I know you don't need me, and I know you're probably wondering why I'm so expensive, but the reality is if you walk out today and you decide to not get training, you're not showing up for another six weeks. How many times have you gone to the gym this week? And the guy goes, oh, well, once. Yeah. All right, well, to get to your goal of gaining 20 pounds of strength and being able to yep. push two plates each side, guess what? You're going to need to come to the gym at least four times a week. Yep. You've had six weeks since lockdown. Yep. How many times have you gone to the gym? He's like, oh, well, like three times. You need me, not because I'm a trainer, but because I'm going to hold you accountable. And you could easily look up how to do everything you need to do on YouTube. You could easily find the best program for free or maybe for 50 bucks total. But the reality is what you're paying for is someone who's going to show up for you and who's going to be there and who's going to have everything planned. So when are we getting started? And I was just like, you know, as much as that's a very like, pushy approach that's a very pushy approach the reality is guess what I, people need to realize that yeah. yeah once they leave they're right maybe yeah. they'll show up once in a while but then they're gonna fall off it goes back to your like point about diets and just like yeah. these things that you just try for a little bit yeah. and you see some success and then you need to find motivation to do it again right and but i believe like like there's <laughs> there's only so much we can do as trainers right like, because we, when we start first start our careers, we really take everything to heart, all progress to heart, all lack of progress. What did I do wrong? How could I have done things better? We're very in tune with how bad things could go. So we take everything to heart, right? So it in, in for, for me, I realized a long time ago that from a human standpoint, there's only so much I can do for someone. Someone also has to meet me halfway. You know, I, I can only hold you accountable so much and the whole motivation factor, motivation comes from action. Action leads to motivation. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, so getting them in the gym, step one, right? Of course. And then those little follow up, follow ups keeps them going and keeps that action there and keeps that motivation there rather than them saying, oh, I don't have the motivation. Well, their accountability to you to say, well, I'm going to go for this 10 minute walk or whatever, just to get moving today. Um, you know, can, is what the trainer can do, but we have to understand there's only so much we can do. I'm not, I'm not trying to be like negative in that, that's that, you know, in that way, but that's the reality that I've dealt with, you know, for a lot, like I've put a lot of blood, sweat and tears to some clients, man. And they, they let me down. Right. So that, (laughs) that like, and and that comes from coaching, like comes from coaching athletes, you know? So that for me, um, we just have to be real about our expectations with clients. Like it's okay to sit there with a client and we do this. Here's my expectation of you. And what are your expectations of me as a trainer? Asking that client what they need from you to be successful in their goals is huge rather than us assuming you know, some people don't respond to the text messages. Some people don't want that, you know, don't be a pest. Don't be nagging me. Well, then tell me what you need from me. Yeah. That's all, you know, that's part of, and going back to the, you know, what we said earlier is get to know your client. Business Council of Alberta's podcast called Alberta Better explores how we co-create a society where everyone can thrive through the lens of business. So, Have you ever wondered what it takes to create a good life in an equally good society? One where people, business, and the environment can flourish? Well, that's what Alberta Better wondered. Alberta Better is a journey to understand what it takes to create a good life here in Alberta and how we as Albertans, businesses, and governments can shape our society so everyone prospers. Check out Alberta Better today to hear their latest episodes on C-suite executives and other business owners alike.
Yeah. And you know what I love about what you just said is it's really simply asking, like, what do you look for from a trainer? Like, if you're ready to sign up today, what would you like me to, to, to how would you like me to show up? Yeah. Right. And you make a good point. Some are going to be all over one aspect of what you offer. Some, some yeah. won't give a shit. Yeah. And I, I find that in those moments, you really need to figure out, okay, how are they showing up right at that moment? And another unique aspect is, you know what, in a month, hopefully you would have minimum spent eight hours with this yeah. individual. You would have had like two yeah. sessions with them a week. Now ask again, mm -hmm. because now some of those walls are down. For sure. Now they know you and yeah. it's just a really quick reassessment to be like, okay, how do you want me to show up this next coming month? Yeah. What do you like about what I'm offering you? What do you dislike? Yeah. Are there any exercises that you found that we haven't done yet? Yeah that you want to add into the program. Exactly. I, I even noticed just simply asking questions like that will give you an idea already of, of how much more excited they are to show up. Because in the back of their mind, the client's thinking, okay, maybe they're programming this for me because yeah. you know they know what they're doing. And they feel in charge. So it's also an empowering thing because now you're empowering them to be in charge of their own health, right? Rather than just making them accountable, now you're saying, this is, I'm, this is your power. Like, this is your journey. Like, you need to be present in it and make decisions about it rather than, um, you know, a trainer just saying, this is how it's going to be, you know, and this is how it's for you to get your to your goals. And that's it. Because that type of rigid, rigidity doesn't work for everybody. For like, of course, based on what they say their goals are, we have a saying at my gym. It's like, you have to give them what they need and sprinkle in what they want. Like, yeah. we do not... We do not do burpees at my gym. And that's a whole nother fucking topic I could do a whole blog on. And in fact, we did. I hate burpees. They're yeah. the worst exercise on the planet. Anyways. Um, I love you explaining that. <laughs> I mean, we, got, we a, got time. We need a whole podcast <laughs> for that. They're just, anyways. So, so if a client is, you know, saying like even burpees aside, if they said, I want to do this and it, because you know, the whole a lot of people think to get any great work and you have to be puking, sweating or shitting yourself or whatever. And that some people think that at the end of the session, but we don't think that. And they're like, but I really want to like really get my heart rate pumping. I want to do ropes. Okay. So we're going to do what you need. We're going to work on those squats. We're going to get those five pillars in and then we'll finish off with some ropes, but yeah. we're going to get your meat and potatoes in and that's your dessert. So you still have to give them what they need, sprinkle in what they want, and then also make sure that their input is important so that they're feeling empowered and part of the whole journey. Yeah, it's 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 a little bit of give and take. It is there, right? It's a true relationship. Like <laughs> yeah, it is a true it is, relationship, it and it starts to feel like that. It does really quick, especially with the amount of time you spend with yes. them. Yes. Right? The um, this question might throw you off a little bit, but uh, I was wondering. It, it's on the topic of us being great trainers and, and hoping we're all aspiring to go that direction and being in it for good reason. I, I know we're in such a transitional phase where there's this new facade of make 10K a month by being an online trainer and mm -hmm. that's coming in, in into the mix yeah. of, okay, are, you, are we just going to say we're doing this for money now just to give off these cookie cutter programs where we don't even know if this person's even doing it properly or are we really in this to win this and like be there for someone mm -hmm. and, and money will come eventually. But my question here is, do you feel like Shara, the world will be a better place if it had more personal trainers in it? And, and if it would, <laughs> why? And if not, why? Well, let's define personal trainer. Uh, first, <laughs> um, I wish that personal training was more regulated so that there was more good personal trainers in the world. Do I think the, the world needs more bad personal trainers? Absolutely not. Um, and that comes with the shitty certifications out there and the fact that Susan from accounting lost 20 pounds and is now going to train her entire office without any formal education. Um, yes, though, you know, I'm, but I'm also coming from a bias. I think I look at my team of 11 people and I think, wow, these people are changing lives. And I see the relationships. I see the community. I see the empowerment. I see the confidence coming through these people and knowing that they walk out of the gym feeling alive and feeling great about what they've done. Yeah. That's when I say, okay, yeah. Then the world needs more personal trainers when you're doing good things. Yeah. When you're doing shit stuff like burpees. No, 
Yeah. <laughs> why why do you hate burpees though? Is it because it's like the most physically taxing exercise and it not you know everyone what? can do it properly? Well, exactly. Okay, full disclosure, I used to program burpees and I'm sure if there's any of my fighters listening to this, like there'll be like back in the day, like, sure, you had burpees. Well, when you know better, you do better. So burpees are one of those exercises that I see newbie training trainers doing it just to make their clients fatigued. Yep. And are, what are you training here? What is a burpee training? Getting you tired or getting you better? Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about form. Most burpees are done in a fatigue state. And let's talk about the fact that the, they look like shit most of the time. And if you actually research the history of the burpee, it was only meant to be done for three perfect reps, not a thousand or 50. And uh, let's talk wrist issues, back issues. And the most times when I see trainers applying them, it's just to get people tired. Well, I can put someone on an aerodyne and get a better result and, and work on conditioning with less risk. Without hurting them. Exactly. You know. So we've been, I've been anti-burpee for a very long time just because the reasoning behind it is just so, so it's just, um, it's broken, like when it's in its application. But I mean, listen, there's also something to be said about no bad exercises, only bad application, right? Some people are saying you shouldn't deadlift ever. Well, there's, yeah, if you're shitty deadlifting, for sure. But, um, yeah, burpees are just one of those things. I just never see a, a pretty burpee, uh, or mm-hmm. do I understand the application for it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Makes sense. There's just so many other things you can do with your client that a, they will enjoy mm-hmm. because exercise, that's the other, you know, that's the other thing I would like to see trainers just get on board with is that exercise doesn't have to be life sucking or hateful. Doesn't it, it doesn't, it can be, you can walk out of the, you can walk out of the gym feeling great. And you still accomplished a lot of things. And you don't have to walk out of the gym feeling like a good workout is your shirt being drenched every single time. Exactly. That's the thing. And it's so sad to hear sometimes the words my own clients would use or I'd see some of my trainers on my team's clients would use where they're like, no, I suck. I didn't do that right. Oh, I didn't. I didn't get the weight I needed to be at today. You told me I needed to be at this weight and I couldn't do it. I suck. And it's like just understanding that there's more than the, the the fact that okay calories and, and and weight gain on the bar there's so many other variables that we can track mm-hmm. and that's another thing that I'm hoping that you could talk about in terms of just recognizing that we need to respect what other variables there are where we can use Sleep, it as water. a reward system well yeah like you I know? mean that's the other thing you have to explain to your client that on any given Sunday you can be like and this is goes to fighting you can have the best training camp you ever had but anything can happen on that given day, anything. So, so, oh, so you, you didn't lift as much today. Oh, you had three hours sleep. Oh, you had a stressful day at work. Oh, okay. We're going to move on from that and just celebrate the fact that you came in, you moved some weight, you got 1% better and we're going to walk out of here and high five and say, awesome. We'll try again the next day. Exactly. Like that's the, that's the part where it's like as trainers, we have to recognize and get to know your client about their lifestyle, who, who their support system is, what they have going on at home. The minute they walk through that door, how are you doing today? Reading body language. Cause I can tell you that 17 years I can read body language like nothing. Like the minute they walk through that door, it's like, oh shit. Yeah. This is, here's, we're going to be having a pretty easy day today. And then there's other days they walk through doors like, oh, I feel that I'm going to, that client's going to crush it today. Yeah, you know what I mean? So that's just experience. That. Right. Yeah. And then just getting to know your clients. So you know what they're going to, what they have to bring that day. Uh, this is getting me to want to ask almost if I could put myself in the position of someone who's listening to this and they're like, oh, you know what? Like, yeah, the idea of being a trainer. Wow, there's so much to it. There's so much psychology to it. There's, you know, it's more than just programming and and showing someone exercises, which, yeah, it really is. Mm -hmm. What, What do you feel like is important for anyone listening who's about to embark in their journey of personal training or they're considering, Shara, the thought of, of not making it a job, but a career choice. Yeah. What would be some things that you'd really want them to consider and make sure that they do as a beginner trainer or as someone who should, let's just say, feel and be more prepared going into this career choice? You know, first and foremost, I'd say education, but um, I've met a lot of trainers that were book smart that had no people skills. And we are in the people business. Be ready to people all day. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and unbeknownst to a lot of people, I'm very much an introvert and I have an extrovert job. So I'm very much 
I am very much an introvert. Like peopling mm -hmm. for me, I need a day off after because it's a lot. So mm -hmm. be ready to have people skills. You need to be able to connect with your client, be able to talk with your client, do the small talk, all that kind of stuff. Book stuff, books, like all the kinesiologists that I've hired, they don't teach them how to people. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you got to get the people skills and know how to connect with humans. They teach you what's in a people. Yeah. Right? <laughs> they teach you what's <laughs> so in a people. Anatomy. But you got to <laughs> learn how to connect with people and everybody's going to have a different way of doing it. And that's when you're going to figure out your niche of who you can connect to and figure out this is where my niche is. And I'm okay with being in this niche because that's where you're going to have success. If you're trying to do all the niches, you're going to burn yourself out real quick. You know, so I would say get educated, learn how to, you know, have people skills, um, and find a mentor and travel. If you can afford the travel, do the travel because, you know, I can't tell you enough how much learning from some of the top coaches in the world helped me understand a lot of things. And it wasn't just, um, about, you know, the secrets, <laughs> it was the networking, it was the, the people skills, it was. Um, for example, I, I went and did Altus, um, um, internship, mentorship, whatever they call it, spent a week there. It's a track and field thing. And everyone's like, you're, I was an MMA coach at a track and field internship. They're like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, coaching is coaching. I want to see how these guys coach these guys, because it don't matter when you have Dan path who used to be a dairy farmer and now has had hundreds of people in the Olympics coaching hurdlers and sprinters. I want to see how this guy does it. So learn from people, find a mentor, um, find someone that's been in the game to, to give you suggestions and to help you not only just get a foot in the door, but also to just learn the ins and outs and to not make the mistakes we made. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I could write a book of mistakes. I could yeah. write a book of mistakes and they included burpees. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you only learn from your mistakes. For now, sure. Right? They included burpees and bad diets. Yeah. No, but I, I appreciate you being so real about the fact that you wouldn't be saying these things unless you experienced it yourself yeah. and saw that there were some, uh, let's just say, things that happened along the way that yeah. you didn't want to see as a result of. Yeah. Right. And it'd be interesting to know, I mean, outside of that track and field certification or even seminar you went to, what were some other iconic memories you've made or mm -hmm. learning experiences you had by traveling? Because that, that fills my cup. Okay, I so, love traveling the world. Uh, 2012, uh, left my brand new business that I just started up and went and did a internship a month long internship with Jonathan Chainberg in Montreal, who used to train GSP. You know, he's trains a ton of hockey players and a couple other UFCers right now. Um, and just was an intern there for a month. Um, it was scary. I was like, I kind of know what I'm doing. No, I don't. I'm leaving my, my brand new business that I just started up. Um, got to meet some of the best people and athletes ever that I still have connections with to this day. Um, John and I are still very much in, in talks and whatnot. Um, I have a huge amount of respect for him. Um, going down to Boston, uh, learning from Mike Boyle and his crew down there. Uh, Mike Boyle, I would give him huge props for his system of training people. Um, that's what we have mirrored our system of training people on. Um, and his coaches, Kevin and Brendan. Um, where else? Oh, Landau Performance. Lauren Landau. Like him training, he's the... Um, strength and condition coach for Denver Broncos. So, um, I got to go down and do courses with him. And then there's been times where I've just gone down there and hung out and just seen how he was doing his business. And we, as business owners talk back and forth about different things and strategies, how we do things. Um, but learning from other coaches, um, also I, okay. The one thing that I got to do was, uh, the UFCPI had their combat sports clinic there. Beautiful gym too. Yeah. Oh, right. They're redoing it right now. Um, they just had it. They had the combat sports clinic. I think this was in 2018. I was the only female presenter and still the only female presenter twice now that has been there. Wow, um, and I was awesome. the first one for the combat sports clinic. So, Congrats. but again, the traveling for me and connecting with other coaches was huge. It was huge. Like no certification or education can give you that. And listen, just because I traveled around the world, it don't mean that you don't have, you can't travel in your own province. Go to Calgary. I know some sick coaches in Calgary. I know some sick trainers in Calgary. You know, we're all like, if somebody were to say, Hey, can I just come out, hang out in your gym one day and just see how you do things? No problem. 
Yeah, that I, I think we have to get rid of that sense of ego that some people feel like they and have. Secrecy? They don't. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the whole no, my program's my program. You can't see it. My director of Good Life, shout out to him. He's like Kenny. I'm on the. You can correct me if I'm saying this wrong. The Wilder program, the the five three one method. Wendler. It's Wendler. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> see, that just shows I'm still learning, <laughs> yeah. right? I'm on the Wendler program. program. He's like, I'll give you everything. It was awesome. Yeah. He sent me the program. He said, I'm on it right now. Yeah. If you want to build strength for jujitsu, he said, stop running and do this damn program because <laughs> yeah. I've been doing a lot of running lately and uh, I'm in my first week of it. But I mean, it's the exposure and the ability to ask other people. Yes. And finding, finding people that, you know, I could, I could drop, drop a text to and say, Hey, I got a question about this, you know, finding your own network for your own personal and, and business development is huge. Right. Um, and then I'm not afraid, like I said, even though I've been doing this for 17 years, like one of my trainers did something in the gym the other day and I'm like, wow, you need to explain this to me. And I didn't care cause I hire up, I hire people smarter than me because, and now, you know, during the you know, closure there. My trainers were secretly meeting and educating each other every Wednesday without me knowing at my gym. And I had like a little tear roll down my eye because that's a team, right? Like yeah. they were learning about um, pressure management and stuff like that. So it's like, God, like this is, I've hired up. I hire people smarter than me. And you didn't even have to encourage them. I didn't that have to encourage innate. them because that's the culture that we, we create is that we're better together. And that nobody is an island and nobody knows everything. We share articles. If I come across a great article, I share it with the team and vice versa. It's like we, we can't be better unless we're sharing and talking. This is what I love about what you said yesterday when we had coffee. And it, it speaks volumes to the culture that you've brought into your uh, facility. Yeah. Where you said that any client that comes in has a team of trainers to help them out. Yeah. You know, and that just goes to show that that, that already in and of itself shows volumes yeah. where they understand that you are all such a team that you're willing to ask another trainer without that trainer being like, no, they're your client, figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've seen that. that I've seen that dynamic. That goes, that can actually backfire that competitiveness. Like, like I, I, whenever I hire a trainer, I, I ensure them, you will not have a problem finding a client. That is my problem. You just train the client. Like that's how my business model is, is that I find the clients, they come to me, I put them with the trainers based on what their goals are and their needs and the kind of their personalities and stuff. Quarterbacking Um, that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, there's no competitiveness. You will all eat. You will all eat. I will never make a trainer go without. That's the thing. So that takes the pressure off of them. So they're not feeling like they have to be hustling for clients and not when that pressure is off all their focus goes to the client mm-hmm. so um yeah when you're competitive like that the only person that suffers is you when you're like trying to like i'm not giving you this client okay well you you, you know when there's that saying about you know paying it forward it'll come back to you twofold mm-hmm. right like but there some of these trainers my trainers too it's like oh, i can't you know what this this client is out of the scope of what i can help them with will you take them sure no problem yeah. That's, we've done that tons of times. Like this is, I have a post, uh, postnatal specialist, um, in my gym and he gets all the postnatal women. And there's been, um, you know, clients that have said, I've sat down with him and said, my client's dealing with some of this. Can you go through some of this stuff with me? And like that, the, and, and never would he ever say, uh, no, that's your problem. Yeah. No, because together we're better and we grow together yeah. and then the business grows together. You know, that's a whole business thing, but that's also a team thing. And you can only get as good as the people around you. Exactly. I, and I, I see the value of a trainer needing to be a part of a team first. Yes. Because so many personal trainers, I would say, I don't know the stat on it, most likely are going into the business because they feel like they can be independent mm-hmm. and it feels like they're running their own business and all the time making my own decisions and yada, 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 right? In reality, though, whether you do go you go the commercial gym route or you go at SVPT and become a trainer, lean off one another. Yeah. The trainers in the building, even if you go to Evolve Strength Gym and you're contracted out, go and speak with the other trainers. Yeah. And no matter what environment you're in, if you're surrounded around others, then recognize the value of what that holds. Mm-hmm. Because everyone, for the most part, got into personal training because there's one aspect of training they love. For sure. And, you know, for me right now, Shara, I just did a... I made a bold decision. I decided to hire up four trainers at the same time. Mm-hmm. But what I realized is I'm going to find one thing in common, and it's 
every single one of them want to get into management, which excites me. Yeah. Because I want I want to grow them with from within. Yeah. The second thing is they all want to be a part of a team. Yeah. So that was cool. I didn't have to work That's on that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But the reality is one's a power lifter, one's a bodybuilder. Yeah. One came from you know getting into running and yeah. seeing the connect of mental health with physical health, mm-hmm. and the other they said you know what I just thought it'd be cool, and they went two years into the Nate program. Yeah. So I just saw the value of each and every single one of them. But the thing is, I now would ask you this with their situation, because I feel the same way. If they're going to start getting education now and getting Mm -hmm. certification after certification, do you think it's best that they need to start figuring out long-term who their niche is and continue to get better at owning and knowing one aspect of training? Or do you recommend that that trainer who wants to be an elite trainer knows a little bit of everything? I'm kind of in the middle of that right Yeah, now. so like when we had coffee yesterday, I talked about how when I first became a trainer, um, you know, I was a bodybuilder and then I moved to MMA and then I was just training a lot of MMA fighters and that was it. And then everyone thought that, oh, you could only go to your gym because you train MMA fighters. And I didn't want that. I Like from a business standpoint, I didn't want to bottleneck the people coming into the gym because I wanted everybody to come in there. Um, you know, that's a tough one because you have to – you have to be passionate about the people you're working with. If they don't interest you, then you're, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot, right? Yeah. So you got to be passionate about those people and it's okay to be niche or niche. It's, you just have to understand that if you're too niche, you're going to limit your, your revenue. Let's, let's, we all love helping people, but we got to eat. Yeah. You know, that, that's the, that's the, the, the selfish side of this is that we still got to make a living and we have to be able to pay our bills. So if you go too niche, you're not going to be able to make, you know, ends meet. So that's where, that's a tough one. It, it would really depend on what niche it is. You know, if you're going to be your general population type of trainer, uh, that's going to, you know, that's going to be probably the most success you'll have is being able, but, but you can specialize in postnatal. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. don't, say no to the general population but if you is if working with women postnatal is something that really excites you then then you know be known for that person yeah like so in my like i said 11 trainers all my trainers are very good at the basics and the foundations and and our our philosophy but a lot of them specialize or i can send them to that trainer because that's something that they specialize in yeah right so it's it's good to have something that you specialize in that you're really passionate about, but don't close the doors to other things that come your way because experience is everything. You can't learn unless you try. Yeah. I never would have thought I could train fighters until it was thrown in my lap, period. If I would have said no to that, where would I be today, right? If if that was thrown in my lap and I said no, then where would I be? So you Mm. never know. You just never know, especially when you're starting off. When you're starting off as a trainer, don't say no to anything. Absolutely. That's so true. Yeah. I, I feel like that's a, a fantastic segue for us to go into the second part, <laughs> okay. which will be great because I'm here in <laughs> MMA a lot. It's getting me excited yeah. now, right? And uh, we'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll take a pause on this. Actually, as we conclude part one, just for the sake of the episode, uh, is there anything else you'd like to um, address again on the topic of going from a good trainer to an absolute elite level, knowing that every single day you're doing what you can to become the best. You know, it, the, the health and wellness and the fitness industry is a flea market. And if we want to come out of that, we have to demand better from our peers. Um, you know, we have to demand better from each other. We need to elevate each other and support each other and, and not be afraid to call something out that's bogus, like I just said about trainers doing nutrition. I'm going to get a lot of hate for that, and I don't care because I've been in this industry for 17 years, and I know when there's a problem. So I think that in order for us to be taking more seriously, we need to elevate ourselves and elevate what we do um, and take it to the next level by being professional, by educating ourselves and supporting each other. Um, if we want to be taken seriously, and if we want to get to the level, first of all, we need to be regulated. That's a whole nother podcast, but you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, we need to be regulated if we want to be taken ser- as seriously as a physiotherapist or, a do- you know, anybody in, in the health um, and fitness regime there, like the, those, those clinicians. Um, but I think that we just need to support each other and elevate ourselves at every chance we get by taking the high road and not, not hurting our clients and 
knowing our boundaries and our scope of practice. And there's no shame to saying, I can't do this. I need help and I get a refer out. Because mm-hmm. you'll get a lot more respect by doing that than you know, waiting yourself through something you don't know and yeah. damaging someone. We're not supposed to be hurting people. Exactly. Emotionally, physically, you know, all of it. We're not supposed to be We're hurting supposed people. supposed to be, if anything, improving that. Exactly. Right. So we need to stop doing that and, and, and take education and support a little bit more seriously. 100%. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you sharing all of that. And uh, <laughs> even even for myself, it's a reminder to recognize that, you know, we should always be doing what we need to be doing, educate ourselves, and recognizing the do's and don'ts. You know, it's just going back to who are we and what is our role as a trainer. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, we're, we're here to make sure this person shows up, has a fantastic workout based off how they feel that day. And we're going to make sure we're a part of every little bit of, you know, let's yeah. say, step forward this person needs to take to improve their overall habits outside the gym now when it comes to something like food or it's something where they're putting something like of that nature in their body everyone needs to eat but we didn't spend all these years figuring out what needs to be put in someone's body and i think you hit the nail on the head when you recognize that just because something works for us doesn't mean it works for someone else and the whole oh make sure you eat your chicken make sure you eat your veggies and make sure you you eat your um you know, sweet potatoes. Yeah. Like that. Sure. That, that standard good, good macros is good for everyone. But the reality is some people might not even realize that they have a condition. Mm-hmm. They may not even understand why it is that they're not as hungry mm-hmm. as my, as you are. Yeah. And then someone such as a dietitian can ask them the right questions and put them through a proper diagnosis to be able to put through an actual Even saying diet. the word macros to a client can be extremely damaging. Do you like, it can actually, because a client will be like, what is a macro? And oh my God, then it because you don't know their background psychologically when it comes to food, right? So September, I'm doing a whole thing about eating with the eating disorder network about um, personal trainers uh, recognizing eating disorders and disordered eating in their clients and how to, how to deal with that. I think it's worth even mentioning, Shara, that you are partnered with a specific nutrition company. I think you very briefly mentioned that. Revive Wellness, Revive Wellness and My Viva Plan. So, um, you know, I sought them out because they have a huge, um, the owner of the company, she's been in the industry as long as I have. And, you know, city of Edmonton has contracted her to do their services, nutrition services. Um, their benefits are covered by a lot of insurance companies. Insurance companies have brought them on to do nutrition for corporate. So they've taught me a lot. They were, they, I had a lot of aha moments with them about nutrition. So that was, it was a no brainer. Definitely, 100%. It just goes to show that you walk the talk and you definitely have a great referral network behind your back. And, you know, I just... I just hope we have more trainers out there who will aspire to be just like you. Sure. Ah, we well, need that. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Uh, we will now transition into episode two. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, into um, seeing Shara talk more about health, fitness, strength, and how it relates to every MMA fighter. And let's just say professional athlete needing to involve strength in their training um, into part two. So see you then. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>